The battle of wizards and warriors continues with iron swords. The evil wizard Malkil will take the shape of the earth, wind, water, and fire. Farewell! The fate of the world is in your hands! You're listening to the Piercing Wizard Podcast, and I'm your host, Ryan Willett. I'm a professional body piercer with 20 years experience, I travel around the world teaching technique and safety classes, and I'm a member of the Association of Professional Piercers. Listen in as I talk to my friends and colleagues about our industry so we can all stay sharp. Alright, thanks for tuning into the show, I appreciate it. Uh, If you listen regularly, you know that I normally plug my classes before uh, we get going with the interview, and uh, this week is no exception. I was putting it down on paper, and I did not realize that I have eight classes between now and April. I didn't realize that until I actually wrote it down. But I'm going to be going to Phoenix in just a couple of days. I'll be going uh, for a class on Monday, January 20th at Wholehearted Piercing. If you want to sign up for that, feel free. I still have space, but I feel like most of the people that wanted to attend have already registered. Uh, I've got another class next month in Concord, California. That's going to be Monday, February 24th at Blue Star. And both of those are going to be the new advanced application of Bevel Theory classes. So if you want to get signed up for either of those, go ahead and email me at ryanpba at gmail.com. I'd love to see you. Uh, The Concord, California one, that'll be the, uh, the Bay Area of California. Uh, After that, I'm going to be going to Atlanta for some wrestling stuff at the end of January, and I'm going to sneak in a a little fundamentals class. I had some people contact me saying they they missed my full-day workshop and they wanted to try to to take something, so I'm going to be kind of throwing something together for them on Sunday, January 26th. I'm going to basically going to be doing an, an expedited version of my uh, my freehand day. It's not going to be the full day seminar. It's going to be probably three to four hours. I'm going to do my slideshow presentation, then some Q&A stuff, and then some workshop elements to kind of demonstrate the, the different techniques there. Uh, I, I'm only booking a small group, probably five people, and that's it. I don't want it to be anything stressful. I just want it to be fun and get the information out there to people. So if you want to get signed up, go ahead and let me know. But uh, space is going to be super, super limited on that one. I'm also prepping for uh, another new class in 2020 called Ethical Upselling, Sell Smarter, Not Harder. And I'm going to be debuting that at the Stary Wash Piercing Education event at the Chicago Tattoo Convention on Sunday, March 22nd. So if you're in the Chicago area uh, and you want to learn about uh, selling that jewelry, if you've uh, you know gotten into it and you've made the investment on jewelry, you've spent that money, spent your boss's money, maxed out a credit card, whatever, and you got the jewelry in, you might be realizing that it doesn't just sell itself. No jewelry sells itself, no matter how nice it is. You have to be able to talk to clients uh, and say, this is why this one costs this. It's worth this. It's got this this guarantee on it. It's got this stone, this craftsmanship, all these all these different things that go into it. Uh, so we're going to be talking about how to sell that and, and do it ethically, respecting our clients, not trying to rip them off, just getting them the jewelry that they love and uh, doing it in a responsible way. So I'm going to be debuting that one, new class, Ethical Upselling, Sell Smarter, Not Harder, on Sunday, March 22nd for Stary Wash in Chicago. Uh, I'm also going to be doing another class in March in Germany. I'm going to be going over there for a wrestling tournament called 16 Karat Gold in Oberhausen. And I'm going to be doing a class on Monday, March 9th at Jane Absinthe's shop in Dusseldorf, Germany. And that's going to be the ethical upselling class. And it's also going to be uh, a piercing marking workshop, which is really nice. Uh, when I go to BMXNet, I do a piercing marking workshop, or at least I have the, the last two years. And I do it with co-instructors. It's a really large group, though, so we have to kind of rotate people around. You know, they get one instructor for 20 minutes, then they're on to the next one. And it's a little bit chaotic sometimes. This one's going to be a lot, a lot more slowed down. 
we can sit, we can talk, we can go over questions. Uh, if somebody's like, hey, how do you mark this surface piercing or paired nostrils or uh, inverted nipples? How do, how do you do all this stuff? And we can actually do it. You know, I'm going to have needle blanks there, uh, markers, toothpicks and gentian violet. We're going to be talking about multiple methods of marking, different things to do for uh, precision and accuracy and making it easier on the client. So that's going to be Monday, March 9th at Jane Absinthe's shop in Dusseldorf, Germany. Got some other ones going on too. I've got Sunday, April 5th at the Boston Tattoo Convention. That's looking like it's going to be the uh, the Doth Piercing class, Expand Your Knowledge. Talking about different jewelry options, different piercing techniques, a little bit of history about the piercing, like where'd that name come from, uh, different anatomical concerns, troubleshooting elements, all, the, all different kinds of stuff related to Doth Piercing. So that's going to be Sunday, April 5th at the Boston Tattoo Convention. I love doing seminars there. I've done one every, day, every year there for the last uh, 10 years and this year is no exception. On Monday, April 13th, I'm going to be in Manchester, England. Uh, I'm going to another wrestling tournament because that is all I like to do with my free time. I'm going to be going to the uh, Fight Club Pro Dream Tag Team Invitational. And I'm going to be adding on a class on Monday, April 13th in Manchester, England. And that's going to be that same dual class, Ethical Upselling and Piercing Marking Workshop. So if you're one of those UK piercers, you know, again, the those markets, um, places where people are just starting to push and move high quality body jewelry, your shop might be the only shop in town, the only shop within a couple of hours that's carrying uh, gold and, and internally threaded and really high quality fancy pieces and it might be really difficult to talk to your market about why it's worth buying. I'm going to be talking about a lot of different ways to communicate information about your jewelry and to actually sell that jewelry and again do it in an ethical and responsible way. And uh, rather than doing it solo like I am in Germany, this one is going to be a collaborative effort with Lola Slider. So if you want to hear Lola's take on sales methods, on different marking elements, uh, Lola is much more of a disposable piercer than I am, so she'll probably have some different ideas as far as uh, needle blanks, and I'm going to have more of a, a toothpick and gentian violet, and then reinforce with the back of the needle kind of a marking style. So we can kind of talk about that from a, a dual perspective, which is some of my favorite stuff to do in a class, is not just give one perspective, but give multiple perspectives. So that'll be Monday, April 13th in Manchester, England. I would love to have you sign up for any or all of these. Uh, you can get more information by following Body Art Education by Ryan Willett on Facebook. You can go to precisionbodyarts.com slash seminars, or you can just cut to the chase and email me at ryanpba@gmail.com, and I'll get you all set up for that. So now that I've gone on this like six-minute rant about classes, I am going to talk about my guest this week, and that is my buddy, John Bulk. Uh, John's a really cool guy. I met him at one of my classes, and he's really um, he's he's really jumped in to that whole like APP bubble with with both feet. Um, works on a lot of really cool projects. Really smart. He's definitely one of those people where everybody talks about him with the same kind of enthusiasm and trust level. I've never heard anyone speak down about John. Uh, they all speak very highly of him. And uh, he's a, a genuine friend of mine. He's come to a couple of wrestling shows with me, which is the usual sign of like, this person's my friend. And uh, when I was out in Chicago, 
I pulled John into a project. I was doing a seminar and he does a lot of videography and he's doing lots of videography work with the APP right now and the Body Piercing Archive, which we definitely talk about uh, in depth in the interview. But he also did a little thing for me for one of my seminars and as a kind of a thank you, I, I brought him to a big wrestling show. I brought him to uh, AEW's All Out show. Him and TJ Kruger came with me and we had a blast. It was super fun. And uh, also while he was out in Western Massachusetts covering for Kel Belfort, I don't know if it was the weekend where she was getting married or if it was right around there or for something else, but he came to a Beyond Wrestling show with me, which are those weekly shows that I go to. Uh, and that was super fun. And it was really just cool to, to, to actually have fun with a friend and do something social because I don't really do a lot of that stuff. So we talk about his videography, we talk about his, uh, his AV projects, but the bulk of what we talk about is just the slow season. And, you know, this time of year, there are a lot of shops that are feeling like, you know, will customers ever come back? Will I ever be able to pay my credit card bills again? All that stuff. So we talk about how to manage the slow season, um, planning out your orders responsibly so that you have the right amount of jewelry coming in at the right times, not too much, uh, not too little. You want to make sure that you're not maxing out your credit cards when you can't afford to pay off your credit cards, all that different stuff. We talk about how to manage the slow season for, for lots of different logistics. We talk about specials and discounts. Are you trying to uh, work your way out of the slow season by doing by doing deals all the time? Does that have maybe a long-term repercussion in your studio? Are there risks to running too many specials and discounts? We definitely talk about that. And then towards the end, we kind of start to wind it down and we start to talk about uh, piercing earlobes and how we're having that boom right now and talking about piercing little kids' earlobes. So it's a pretty diverse interview. We talk about a lot of stuff and John's just a really easy guy to talk with anyway. So uh, let's get into this interview with John Balk and I'll be back a little bit more at the end. Hey, my name's John Balk. I work at On Point Body Piercing in Gillette, Wyoming. Um, my Instagram is On Point Piercing. Pretty much just working on uh, video projects lately for the for the APP and really all I do. <laughs> Wait, how how did you get into that? By the way, was it just like a, a hobby that turned into something, or did you go to school for any of it? No, I totally did not go to school for any of it, unless you consider YouTube. Um, YouTube University, my friend. I am well um, acquainted with YouTube University. <laughs> You know, I, I started really getting into, it was Steve Olin that actually did me in on the expensive hobby that I have now, but, um, <clears throat> I bought a drone from him and I got really into the whole drone thing, uh, which led to buying a camera, which led to photography and then eventually led to doing videos where I'm at, uh, aside from body piercing, I also do real estate photography, and it opened up a whole new market. Like I, I'm pretty exclusive in town because I'm the only person that can create a a well-made like video walkthrough of mm -hmm. a home. So that kind of uh, that pushed me more into the the marketing end of it, and then um, it was uh, Kale. I'm sure everyone's heard Kale by now. Um, she, when she got on the board, she recommended me for uh, a video project to promote conference. And that should hopefully be releasing soon. So keep an eye out for that. And then I also did the one for the Body Piercing Archive. Uh, Which was really cool, by the way. Thank you. Thank you. Um, I did one last year, and... That kind of sparked Paul King into having me come out 
during conference to kind of archive film the uh, Fakir exhibit for not only like um, <clears throat> archival use, but I think they wanted to promote it to other museums, things like that. And they wanted something a little bit more on a professional level than somebody hand holding a cell phone and right. walking through the exhibit. So that's what really kicked it all off was working with, I think the body piercing archive. Paul did a lot to promote me also with the APP. And now it's, uh, I'd love to take it elsewhere to, to other organizations overseas or wherever and do these same things for them. Just be cautious because I've, I've learned that, uh, when people, find out that you are like a body piercer who can also dot 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 like everybody starts swarming around because what you have is like a really it's a valuable skill uh it's really artistically cool sometimes people get into something as a hobby where it's like oh i you know i i take photos or i do this or i do that and it's like cool but they don't really have the eye you know it, I, I guess some people would know what that means like the eye and you seem to have the eye like you can you can capture content and you can present it in a really cool way instead of just like you know click 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 here are some pictures um like you you make right. it you, you the, the the personality of what you're shooting comes across in it so it's it's definitely good as it, we, we haven't really had anybody uh in the industry that can really help make projects shine in that way and uh it, it, i don't i don't think you're going to get a break from it for a while no i i don't think so and that's fine with me because the content that i'm creating for them is is obviously content that i enjoy so it makes it it makes it a whole lot more fun for me because I can put that passion of of both ends of the spectrum into it and uh, make something that everybody hopefully will enjoy. And it's probably a little bit more fun than taking pictures of renovated kitchens. Yes, yes, it is. Uh, and you're working on a, a little project for me, buddy guy, too. I am, and uh, I need to. I still need to get with you on that as to uh, final uh, final says what what we need to uh, accomplish for that. But okay. with your video, I would um, I totally want to make that like a, a, a progressing thing. Yeah, because I know that we run into each other. It seems like a couple times a year. Yeah. Um, so if I'm if I'm ever around, you know, it's always nice to get more updated footage. Sure. Um, I mean, the, the class that you got to come to, too, was was just lecture-based. It wasn't really workshop-based, which is, I mean, the, the class that, did we did we meet at that first class, or did, did we know each other before you came to that first class? The one in Chicago in, like, 20... 2017 or 2018? 2017, I think. Yeah. Might have been. Yeah, that was the first time we met. Yeah, so... But then we've been talking on Facebook for a while, too. Because yeah. you were like my like APP membership mentor in a way. Your champion. Yes. Well, uh, yeah. If you if you ever get the chance, or if you if we're in the same city again, uh, for one of my like workshoppy type things, you know, and the the new ones that I'm trying to do, I'm trying to do more live piercing. So I'd imagine that would be more dynamic content than me standing in front of a projector screen. Yeah, totally. Um, I actually had to dig through your YouTube and rip stuff off of your youtube because i was like wow like i don't know how many more clips of you standing there like waving your arms <laughs> i'm very hand expressive when i talk you are it's exciting though well uh yeah let's let's make future things happen and you know 
uh, stuff we can't probably talk about yet, but you know, there are ideas for other APP based projects that I would still like to be involved with and, you know, help, help support you guys in whatever you're doing. And I totally want you to be involved in that because I think it was uh, originally an awesome idea. Um, it's still going to be an awesome idea regardless, but um, yeah, I am, I'm pretty stoked about that. It's just been kind of at a crawl lately, yeah. which is fine, but well, I mean, as we, you know, I, I hate to say it, but I, I think, you know, once March comes around, everything is put to the side for a conference basically. So, you know, any sort of projects that were, kind of moving forward or new ideas, those are usually best for like the fall and the winter because everything in the spring and the summer is just all dedicated to conference. Right. Which makes me nervous because I don't really want to wait longer on this. We've been kind of trying to attack it for a, a little while. And I've been trying to try to do this for like three or four years at this point. Yeah, that's right. We did. We talked about that. Yeah. yeah. It, it seems like it's just a, uh, Ugh. Yeah, it'll get there. It'll definitely get there eventually. <laughs> but uh, I think, you know, people get so distracted by their passion projects that they kind of forget some of the other, some of the back burner stuff, you know. So um, I, I think, I think the APP needs to start bringing in people that are just, they just handle special projects, you know, instead of, instead of committees where uh, people are working on many things at once. I think they need to bring in people like you that are kind of more, specialist dedicated on one project and then maybe a committee can help support them. But I think if you are, you know, if you have your, your finger in a lot of pies, you're just going to get distracted and you're not really going to be able to work on what you want to work on. No, I totally agree. I totally agree. I think a lot of the, uh, a lot of the, the committees and, um, I, I think it, some of it needs tidying up some yeah. of it. I think it just needs to be looked at again. Not so much um, changing it completely, but like like what you said, maybe <laughs> bringing something a little more specialized into into each special project, each little rather than ha like exactly like you said, rather than having a whole committee jump on it, mm -hmm. you know. It's that weird one because everything is volunteer based, you know, so it's it's tough. It's tough finding those people that have that unique, uh, you know, piercing and skills. So when you, when you have someone who's good with computers that tend to get like pigeon, you know, like, like Polly is a really good example, getting like kind of stuck as being like the computer guy, ask him all the computer tech questions or whatever. And it's like, he's got so many other good ideas that he would probably want to work on, but he gets distracted by people being like, Hey, this, Hey, that, you know, and, and you having... Uh, videography skills and photography skills and all that stuff you're probably going to get pulled in a couple different directions because people want support for their projects rather than saying like you know let's let's let him do his special project and then when he's done with that maybe he can support our projects yeah well the nice thing is is i think i got the most of the load that i did have on me um done recently here um <laughs> i'm a super child so so tell me more about this load that you got on you <laughs> uh it's gone already man oh. it's gone the load's gone yeah it sounds like a real <laughs> sticky situation it, yeah it was it's all cleaned <laughs> up though anyway but yeah but having having that off of my shoulders um now now it's just like 
uh, I just want to get started. Yeah. I want to get started, but it is what it is. And, um, I, I still have good faith in it. Yeah. Well, you know, just keep pushing. And all the people that out that are out there listening that are like, what is this mysterious thing? Like you can probably figure it out. Like he's a videographer. We're body piercers. It's going to be a video project related to body piercing. So, you know, big shock there, but, uh, it's going to be really cool stuff once it, once it gets going. Yeah, totally. Um, so the, we just had some APP, uh, elections. We had an election cycle wrap up. Did I see that you were, you were one of the nominees? I was. How had that process feel? Was that, was that the first time you'd been nominated? Yes. And, um, I really, I, I guess I'm kind of half and half on it. Um, I really wanted it. Um, now that I, I didn't get elected, um, I'm, I'm, kind of happy that i didn't because <laughs> i know exactly <laughs> like what you mean special projects and stuff but i still right. wanted to dump my time um the app really really kind of brought a new life to my piercing career and i feel like giving back to that uh, i i think serving on the board would have been a, a perfect thing to do well you know long careers uh multiple opportunities you know there's going to be elections every two or three years and and i i wouldn't want anybody to ever get discouraged like in an election cycle, there's only going to be maybe one, one or two or three people that actually get voted on out of the you know dozen or more people that get nominated and accept the nominations. So you know don't you don't want to take it as like a negative as like oh well you know people don't like me or I wasn't voted you know it's it's just whatever it's one of those things where it's like it's it's nice to have the recognition to be nominated. If you don't get voted on, I understand that. When you when you look at the people that do get voted on, sometimes I think like, well, how how the hell could I get more people to vote for me than like a Luis Garcia or a Christina Blasi or something like that, you know? Um, so I don't I don't really take it as too much of an ego blow, but I I do agree with you that it's probably a good idea that it that you didn't get voted on because now you get to do what you want to do instead of the stuff that you have to do. Exactly. And the way that I think about it is once I get in a rhythm of what I want to do, then I can keep that rhythm and still do other things. Like it hasn't discouraged me at all. I still totally want to be on the board and I'm going to run every year that I'm nominated. But I I, I still also think that being a, a younger member, I, I don't have the recognition. I don't maybe have the volunteer time or the... Uh, speaking experience or anything like that, that, you know, kind of brings you a little bit more into the light, which is fine. I mean, I don't think everybody needs to be in the limelight. Um, I think there, there's a lot of volunteers that do a ton of stuff that aren't really as recognized as, you know, some of the others of our peers, but sure. um, yeah, I'm not discouraged. Um, I had to try. I wanted to. That's good that I, you put yourself out there, though. I mean, it's commendable yeah, that someone would, would put themselves out there for that. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I totally love the APP. I, you know, I, I can think of, a, like I said, a, be, a better way to give back to it. Um, you can you can just do donations directly to me. Uh, I'm a member, and I'm the cha- <laughs> chair of the, the Human Fund, so you can go ahead and send donations my way if you want to pay it back. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> um, so talking just a little bit more about the, the, your photography and your videography and all that stuff, do you feel like uh, that's one of those things where uh, 
um, you're blessed as a body piercer because you get to have expensive hobbies and you can afford them because I, I know so many piercers that have completely random, really expensive hobbies where it's like they get to dump $5,000 on whatever random bits and bobs and toys and stuff they want that a lot of people in other jobs and professions might not have the opportunity to do. What? <laughs> <laughs> Who are these people? Because uh, I, I would like to know what they are doing. Um, <laughs> photography is incredibly expensive and I totally don't have the money for it. <laughs> Well, you have stuff. I do have stuff. It took me quite a bit to uh, to save up for it, though. Yeah. Um, our studio is pretty low volume, and uh, it's definitely not that time of year. Yeah. Well, hey, what a great segue, because um, so, aha. So, aha. every now and then <laughs> I'm just like, well, shit, I need a show on something. So I'll ask somebody smarter than me for like an idea on something, and... and I don't remember. It wasn't you. I, was it you? Who was I talking to? Where they were like, you should talk. You should talk about the slow season. I don't know. That wasn't was you, me. was it? It was. It was me. But jokes on you. I am not smarter than you. Well, you, yeah, you say that, but maybe that's just like that's part of your cleverness. Yeah. You um, can't see me doing the Mr. Burns fingers. Yeah, you're lulling me into a false sense of security. <laughs> <laughs> so let's talk about. The slow season, because right now this this is, I mean, I I guess it's technically the slow season for me. The slowest part of the year for me is usually um, from mid September to mid November, because I'm not I'm not a college town, so all the college kids like flee right after Labor Day, and we get kind of a crash. And lately, the last like month or so has been pretty decent because people are in like holiday spending mode. You know, we sold a ton of gift certificates, but. We're probably going to go back into a slump a little bit in, in February. And what's it what's it like for you uh, in in Gillette, Wyoming this time of year? Um, our slow season starts uh, pretty much, I would say, right around mid October and mm-hmm. goes all about the beginning of December. Yeah. Do you think it's the same thing? Is it like a college kids thing? I don't think it's a college kids thing because we don't necessarily, we have a college. It's a community, it's community college. It's yeah, not I mean, like, well, we have a community college too, but it's not like a lot. It's not like a thousands of kids moving to Nashua from other parts of the country yeah, right. to go to prestigious, you know, community college. Yeah, no, if people are moving anywhere here in Wyoming, they move to Laramie to go to the university of Wyoming, which is like a, I don't know, a class class b or something's university i don't know i don't know Shit, um, I, did, I did not go to college i went to i went to a half a semester of community college and then realized that it was pointless for the type of brain that i had <laughs> yeah so um our community college is uh, mostly people that live here yeah. i'm sure there's some people that come in from surrounding areas but gillette wyoming is the best a man can get <laughs> <laughs> we are called the Razor City. Oh God. Yeah. Um. So there, there might be some that come in from surrounding cities or surrounding towns, but if you look at Gillette, Wyoming, on a map, you'd be like, "Wow." Well, first of all, you'd be impressed because, like, Wyoming's actually a place. But <laughs> then you'll see Gillette, and there's nothing around us. I'm um, shocked. I'm shocked. 
Wyoming is really known as a hotbed of activity. Or a government conspiracy. Right, right. There's no such thing as Wyoming. (laughs) No. Um, Yeah, the closest um, larger city would be Casper, Wyoming. It's like two hours away. Uh And then Billings is like three hours away from us. But if you live in Billings, you're going to school in Billings. You're not right, coming. Quick, to- quick, uh, quick follow-up question: Why do yeah. you live there? Mm, do you want the whole story? No, I mean you can give me like the thirty-second version of it. Um, I moved here. I, I worked. Uh, I was piercing in Grand Rapids, Michigan, uh, for pain for sale tattooing, and then the owner of that moved out here because he used to work Sturgis all the time. The Sturgis Motorcycle Rally. Yeah. Well, anyways, a, a guy from Gillette offered him <clears throat> a spot in town here because there was nothing. Hmm. Uh, he took the opportunity. He went out there. He opened up. And then, like, a year later, he called me saying, you got to come out here. It's just completely popping with business, blah, 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 blah. Because Michigan, about that time, economy. Eh, right. Um it, it was a good move. It was a good move at that time. Now that I'm out here, I mean, I, I, I love the uh, the scenery. I love the mountains. Um, but it's just, uh, I, I miss city life. I miss being busy, busy, sure. busy. Because well, now it's just flooded with studios here. Yeah. Well, I, do you think that that's part of like an, an indicator of your success? Because I, I think that if you if you're in a city and there's nothing going on and then suddenly out of nowhere shops are opening up down the street around the corner they're kind of maybe copying your style or whatever i think that's a big sign of of your success you know because i've i've seen that happen in my area too where there have been points where we're the only the only place working for a while and then it's like oh well now there's this place and now there's this place and now there's this place in a city that really wasn't the hotbed of that kind of activity so i mean i guess you're doing something right yeah that's true i mean the the nice thing with us now is it's gotten to a point where there's there's like five five studios five or six studios in town and only two other ones actually peers yeah and when when you say Pierce, are you talking like, you know, you know what I'm you know what I'm getting at? Like, is it comparable to what you're offering, or is it maybe a different kind of service? It's a different kind of service. Yeah, yeah. Um, and then we also have an even um, different kind of service <laughs> that opened up inside of Walmart. Ooh. Yeah, offering which makes body piercing. Um, well, earlobe piercings and okay. maybe yeah. and stuff. If you get the drift. Right. Yeah. That's which so happened to open up the same time that slow season started. Nice. Well, so, yeah. so I've got, I've got a shop, I've got the mall shop, you know, and I don't want to knock all shops that are in malls because there are some shops like, you know, Avanti and. Uh, Prism and stuff like that. Like there can be triple A shops that happen to be in malls, but I, I think most of the time when people say mall shop, they they know what you what you mean. But I've got a mall shop that I deal with, and uh, you know it. They 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 are never slow. You know they're they're cranking out stuff, but um, you know cause for concern. I see a I I see a lot of follow ups with their clientele and stuff like that, and 
Uh, at one point, it's it's kind of like, well, it's frustrating that people are choosing that service over the service that we offer. But at the same time, not a lot of people are going back a second time. And it's almost like advertisement for my shop. Because if you go to if you go somewhere, you don't really get the service you're looking for or you don't really get the success rate you're hoping for. And then you go into a shop that can maybe fix it for you or educate you as to what goes into a higher quality piercing, I, I think a lot of times you you hook them. So it's a, maybe you don't get the first nibble, but you're going to get like the bite, if that makes sense. Yeah, it does. And we're seeing a lot of that because we're pulling a lot of, um, we're pulling a lot of interesting things out of people's ears. And, it, you know, the funny thing about it is one of my clients is the uh, general manager of that place for the area. And uh, she has like basically a whole face full of you know not great stuff no she she has a, like oh. a, a whole full of like bvla oh and, oh so the opposite yeah but the uh she was recommending people to us mm. so that that had a good uh that 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 helped with that opening but but still even at that like um when when that opens, it's it's like you for one you have to push hard again on the education, and then you have to push two, what you have to push hard on the education like you educating. To, what do you have to push? Education hard on. Hard on? Sorry, okay, I'm I'm a child. Sorry, go ahead. Oh my goodness, Ryan. <laughs> Sorry, I'm in like Beavis and Butthead mode today. Uh, right. Although I'm also realizing that I'm dating myself because there are probably people that weren't alive when that show was on the air, but whatever. Yeah, that's fine. Whatever. So, okay, getting back to the slow season <laughs> stuff. Um, yeah. So, what do you what do you do when and, and like when we're talking slow season? How much are you dropping? Because I'm dropping like maybe forty percent of my business in one of those slow months. You know, maybe even more than that, depending on the year. I'd say the last couple of years, with the economy being a little bit stronger, we haven't really felt the slow season as much. But like, you know, there were there were points years ago where like. You, you know, the tattooers start to freak out and think talking about getting part-time jobs and piercers are thinking like, well, do I have, do I need to open up on extra days? Do I need to do discounts and say what all this stuff? So like how much of a hit do you take on a slow, a slow season? I take about the same actually, now that you mention it, thinking like in my head of numbers of like good, like good months versus the, the, the slow ones. Yeah. It's, it's definitely right around 40%. Yeah, it's kind of a kick in the balls. It's tough because for years, it was more of like a money in, money out kind of a thing. Um, it was more week to week, uh, month to month. And now with the way that you have to order body jewelry, maybe not with all the vendors because like some vendors are really dropping their, their turnaround times, which is great. But I'd say a year ago when you were waiting three or four or however many months, it was a really big kick in the balls where like your, uh, what you were hoping was going to be like your big summertime order shows up at the end of September. And it's like, you know, I don't, whenever I say a, a number that's high to me, there's always going to be some piercer looking down their nose being like, oh, that's just an average order for us. And we ordered, and it's like, okay, great. Awesome. Congratulations. You're, you're busier than, than I am. Um, but like, so for me to say, a big order, you know, a big, a big order for me is going to be probably more than $3,000. Uh, that's a big order for me. Um, and you know, 10 years ago, a big order for me was $300. 
But uh, when when you have those really huge orders showing up in uh, September or October or something like that, when you wanted it in July or August, uh, it also comes along with a big credit card bill, which is a really big kick in the pants when you don't have money coming in, you know? So uh, do you... Do you like plan for your slow seasons and throttle back things like orders or, you know, vacations, days off, things like that? Or do you do you change anything or is it just business as usual? I, You know what? Nope. I don't. <laughs> YOLO. I don't do anything like it's. <laughs> I really, really, really need to. OK, so I've, I've I'm three years now in business ownership. Um, handling everything from ordering, um, all all that. And every year I tell myself, prepare for the slow season, prepare, you know, (laughs) do it, just, just do it Buy buy bulk right now during the the summer because you, you know, you're going to need it. And I never do surprise. Um, so yeah, that's been kind of my biggest, um, my biggest hassle with, with slow season is, is jewelry. It's always been jewelry every year. And I have never, I've, I've never taken the the chance to like pre-plan that and like stock and just kind of hold stuff, you know, hold stuff away and just kind of hoard posts and barbells. But I, I never do that. And I really need to to be fair, I don't. I don't really do that either. I don't. I don't really like to have. I don't like to carry a lot of backstock. I like to just have consistent orders coming in. And when when wait times were so unpredictable, it was almost impossible to have consistent stock levels. So there would be times where it'd be like feast or famine. One order would come in, and I'd be like, "Great, I have five hundred of of you know a eighteen gauge five sixteenths Lebret back." And then there are other times where it's like, shit, I've only got five left and my order's not going to show up for another six weeks. What do I do? You know, so um, what I try to do now is I try to think, all right, this is what this is what the estimated wait time is going to be. What am I going to need four to five weeks from now? Um, Maybe I'll look at uh, I use a POS. I use I use Square and it's got a really good um, it's got really good inventory. I don't. I don't actually do uh, inventory through Square. I don't do a live inventory. I do POS, and then like, oh, man, when when I talk to the shops that are really good at adulting and management and stuff like that, the kind of shops where they have, um, like, there's a person who's paid to just take care of jewelry and stock and management and all that stuff, and they're not like, and also tattooing, and also piercing, and also whatever. Those shops really have it worked out. Me. I'll try to look at my reports on Square, and I'll be like, okay, last year and the year before, this is what we did during this period. So there's a reasonable assumption that I'm going to be pretty close to that same level. What am I going to need for jewelry? What's the wait time like? So like, I micromanage the shit out of jewelry orders, and it, it works, but it means that I have to micromanage. It's not like I can just pass it off to my other piercer slash uh, shop manager because we have to kind of like do this... Um, collaborative thing every time where I'll be like, what do you see for trends? What, what, what's the popular stuff that's going on? What do you think I need more of? And then I'll look at the numbers too. And then we kind of come to an agreement on this is what we should order and blah, 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 blah. And it's, uh, it's a hassle. 
it's been working okay though because I, I did run into a couple of points last year where it was like I'd get a ten thousand dollar credit card bill and like I'm not I'm definitely not ten thousand dollar credit card bill busy. I might be able to take care of that with uh, like a really busy summer month. But uh, in October, you get hit with a $10,000 credit card bill, and it's like, well, crap, like, what's my savings account looking like? Yeah. Oh, man, there's a couple companies out there that really just kind of sneak that in there, too, where you're yeah. expecting one week, and then all of a sudden, two weeks early, and you're like, shit. Yeah. Well, it's tough because I uh, the jewelry companies get so much pressure. Because it's it's like, when's my jewelry going to get here? When's my jewelry going to get here? And then I heard this criticism, like a good example is Anatometal, when their wait times dropped like really significantly, really fast. Um, mm-hmm. there, there were all these orders that were floating out there where sometimes people had two or three or four stacked orders in. And some of those people were getting their two or three orders in a month and not across that two or three or four month period that they expected. So they were getting all those hits on their credit card. And, you know, it's, it's difficult to manage when jewelry wait times aren't consistent. Um, but I get it on the other flip side, these jewelry companies are under so much pressure to just get it done and get it out. Um, that when they do that, sometimes they get criticism just for that. So, I, I think as time passes and jewelry wait times level out a little bit and get more consistent, it'll be a little bit more predictable and how to order. But uh, I definitely, I'd say try to try to have. And I'm not saying you specifically. I'm just saying like you know you out there in the world, um, like really try to look at your actual real world numbers. If you don't have a report system, uh, some sort of POS system, some sort of electronic system, you're going to have a, a couple hindrances because. If you, if you think back to like, well, I wonder how good February was in 2019 versus 2018. If you don't have that as data, you're just guessing. And like all the points in my career where I've guessed how much money will be coming in or how much money I should be sending out or something like that, I've I've super fucked it up <laughs> like really bad. Like I need, I need data to like know what the real world numbers are. Yeah, and I made that mistake this year. Um... I, I knew we were coming into the slow season because it, it always hits, like I said, right around October. And I checked, because I use Square also, so I checked last year what I did in October, and I'm like, oh, cool. But apparently last year, October was slamming. Yeah. This year, it wasn't. Mm. And uh, yeah, yeah you, you can't bet on that. You you really can't. you. You, <laughs> I, I take it week by week. Um, <clears throat> I know pretty much at this point that I can have X amount of Librat posts, X amount of barbells, um, X amount of whatever threadless tops or whatever type of um, gemmed jewelry, gemmed tops, um, whatever gold all that like i kind of know what i go through week by week by week so that's pretty much how i base my ordering is <clears throat> on an average i'm going to use this amount yeah so i need to adjust for that and order this amount you know because i'm the same way i don't like carrying a whole lot of backstock because it, to me like if a product's not moving it's just kind of wasted 
Yeah. Just yeah. I mean, wasted. it's definitely a wasted investment. You could, you could take that backstock money and you could put it towards something else for sure. Exactly. Something that's going to sell within, you know, the first couple, you know, two, three weeks that you have it. Sure. My, my right. bad problem with backstock is like when it comes to posts, I'm, I'm totally fine having a, a, a good backstock of posts. But when it comes to end pieces, I really don't like having backstock because I forget that it exists all the time. Like I'll be going through drawers and I'll be like, oh crap, like there are 20 of these end pieces that we needed last month and I completely forgot that they were just sitting in this thing because I, you know, I'm an idiot. So I, I try not to do a lot of, of backstock for end pieces. I try to have as much as possible like live in the case because it's... Uh, People don't know they can buy it if it's not right in front of their face. And it's like if you forget that it's there and you forget to drive it home, it's like, you know, oh, you know, we have this option, we have that option. How are you going to sell it? Like, you you know, try to keep a lot of inventory in your case. Unless you're one of those shops that has to work with a lot of prepackaged because you're like ultra high volume or you don't have a statum or something like that. Then I can see the, you know, the need to have a little bit more backstock for your gem selection stuff. But... If you're a statum shop or like some sort of, you have a comfortable flow where you can pull jewelry from your case and actually sterilize it, not not disinfect it, actually sterilize it. Uh, I think you should have as much jewelry in your case as possible versus backstock. Yep, totally agree. Um, I, I do keep a little bit of backstock on tops, like any kind of um, <clears throat> decorative ends. I'll keep maybe like five in a drawer, and I only do that because. It, eventually that stock's going to wear down because I almost after three years have my like neo metal, like my big seller for, you know, your, your nostril piercings and stuff like that. Like your, your big titanium stock. It, it, and I almost have like the timing down on that as to that's going to be almost disappeared when I have a whole new order coming in. Yeah. <laughs> That's one of the that's one of the better signs of being able to predict your flow is having having stock uh, run down to the point where it's very low without being completely like dead out when you need it. You know, like having that good sense of like, well, I only need to order twelve, not twenty. You know, sometimes having a an, a, an order system where you have like par levels can really be helpful. That's what we do for Neo Metal. We have like a par. We have a spreadsheet with par levels, like what we want in stock. We count what we have in stock, we remove that from the par, and we order what's left. You know, and it, it works out pretty good for us. That's not a bad idea. Um, me, I like I, I'm almost at a point where I could um, get like a reoccurring order, and I would actually probably be pretty happy with it, other than my huge fear of commitment. But <laughs> that, that's just um, it, it's it's almost in reach for me. And, um, that, that makes me happy that I can at least have that balance out because that's the, the, the most amount of, you know, that's what, that's, what's keeping the lights on and, and paying the rent is that type of jewelry. I, I was going to go on with something about the whole, oh yeah, the keeping the backstock thing. The only reason why I keep that backstock is once it starts to get low, I, I have that backstock, so I can just kind of put that in the case for like that last remaining bit of time before I get my order. Sure. So it, it doesn't look like desolate. Right. It's like a cushion. Yeah, it is. Absolutely. Yeah. I'll have backstock for Neo Metal. Like, you know, I, 
I have a, a okay amount of backstock for neo metal backings and and end pieces. And then for gold, the only stuff that I really try to have backstock for would be the the super common things like um, gold prongs with like uh, a white CZ or a white diamond or something like that. Almost any other gold tops, I'm just going to have them all in my case because, again, I have a really bad memory and I'll forget that they exist in backstock. Yeah, I wouldn't forget. Um, oh, I wouldn't forget. I have a memory. <laughs> it's just because... Um, <laughs> I, I keep such a, a minimum amount of everything that um, I would I would never forget that that gold was there. Yeah. So um, more stuff about slow season. Do you ever do you ever do specials or like discount days or do you do any do you do any of that kind of stuff when it gets slow? You know, um, yeah. And here's here's what we do, um, and I'm sure a lot of studios do this exact same thing. I don't really, I don't necessarily run specials. I run specials on special days, like before Christmas and maybe directly after New Year's. Sometimes we'll do something fun with Halloween. Um, but I, we, we don't really do a whole lot of, you know, consistent specials, um, which makes them, I think, a little more tantalizing to the client because, you know, you it's not something that they get very often, so they're not yeah. like expecting it. I, I do discounts on gift certificates. Okay. Like $100 gift certificate for $75 or something like that. But I'll, I'll do that like towards the beginning of <clears throat> like maybe after the first week of December, because like the, the, the first week of December is usually kind of normal and then as December progresses, it gets progressively worse for us up until right before Christmas. Right before Christmas is insanely busy. And then we've been really busy after Christmas. Like, I I never really get a whole lot of cash. But you can tell that people are spending their Christmas money because after Christmas, I have tons of cash. Ooh, hey, you're you're listening to it now, everybody. That's when you want to rob John. No, it's <laughs> yeah, actually, yeah, go for it. <laughs> Where's Rob Hill? We need oh, Rob Hill. God. Captain Security. <laughs> um, so when it when it comes to deals and discounts, I, I think you do it in a responsible way. If, if you do it, that's tied to some sort of a. I wouldn't say a predictable event, but something where it makes sense that there's a special. You know, you do some sort of spooky thing on Halloween, or you do something around the the holiday season with gift certificates, or you do that. Like that makes sense. But um, what I would try to say, and I, I can use I can use my friend's shop as an example. He he put his shop in uh, a strip mall that was that did have a little bit of traffic at the time. But then uh, the stores next to it ended up slowly going out of business and there wasn't a lot of uh, traffic anymore. So he started doing uh, free piercing days, like buy the jewelry, no piercing fee days. And he just did it randomly, you know, because he, he needed to pay some bills. And then time goes by and then he's like, well, it's slow again. Maybe I'll do another one of these. And then basically, like the long story short is he ended up training his customers to wait for the next special. 
So it, it didn't become something like unique, like, like the way you're doing it. It became something where it's like, well, just, just wait a month or two and then he'll just have one of those special days again and you don't have to pay full price. And it, it literally put his shop out of business. Yeah. And we used to do that. Um, back before I took ownership over, we used to do like two for Tuesdays. Right. Um, and, and yeah, you would see um, a really high level of, of volume on Tuesday and the rest of the week would just taper off. And, you know, th- those are things that I kind of, I picked up in the years of, of working for working in this industry is, is you get to kind of almost understand a client's mentality as to how um, they're going to shop for their piercings. Yeah. Well, you don't want to you don't want to train your client to wait, uh, and you don't want to devalue your product or your service. So even yeah. if you are doing something like a free piercing with cost of jewelry, that alone isn't the problem. It's that when you when you devalue your service, where people just start thinking like, oh, you don't need to pay a piercing fee, just just wait, or just just do this, just do that, or uh, just waiting in general. Like I want people to come in and get pierced when they want to get pierced. I don't want them to have the thought of like, well, if I wait till next Tuesday, it's going to cost a lot less because just like you said, after a while you end up getting these spikes on those discount days. So you're, you're taking your, your business and you're driving it towards a day where you're going to be getting less for your business. And after a while, it's, it's really going to, it's going to damage your business. It's difficult to come back from that because once those trained clients come in expecting a deal and you tell them, hey, that deal doesn't exist anymore, that's when you really test their loyalty. And sometimes they think like, well, I'll just go somewhere else where I can get that same deal. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Um, uh, what do you do? For the slow season? Yeah. The Let's thing about the slow season for me is, so I've been, in, I, I'm, I'm fortunate in a lot of the different ways that I can look at my business. I've been in business for... Uh, this November is going to be 20 years for me. So I can, I can look back and I can say, all right, the last five years when I've been running at like full speed, full steam with high end jewelry, uh, I, and I have data for all of it. I can look back and I can see trends like this is going to be an average October, March or, or whatever time of year. And I can, I can plan for it. So I can say, uh, I need to be ready for March because not only is that going to be the, the busiest month of the year for me, uh, tattoo wise, piercing wise, jewelry sales wise, but I'm also going to be doing, uh, the Boston tattoo convention around that time. So I really want to make sure that I can have a fully stocked body vision display. I want to make sure that I have plenty of, uh, backstock, backstock posts, all that stuff. Um, but then it also, I can say, well, I'm expecting October and November to be pretty pretty down if you compare it to like summer numbers. So probably around July or August, I'm going to start dropping my, my orders down. Like, Hey, I don't really need a $2,000 anatomical order. I need an $800 anatomical order or, or this or that, you know? So I try to, I try to scale it a little bit based on averages. Sometimes that can shoot me in the foot where it's busier or slower than I expected. But, uh, I don't run into problems where I'm like, I, do, I can't pay my bills. I can't pay my mortgage this month. I can't pay for the hours that my staff needs, you know, all that stuff. So it, it makes it a little bit easier. But uh, I, I try not to worry too much about slow season. You know, those those years when 
the other staff members would freak out where it's like, oh man, I'm doing half of what I did last month. It's like, yeah, but I expected to do half of what I did last month. So I'm not panicking because I already, I paid my big bills. I already, I, I already paid off my quarterly tax payment. I, I did this, I did that. You know, maybe I paid some bills early or something, you know, like I'm, I'm really trying to make it uh, less painful when those slow months hit. That's wise. That's wise. Uh, yeah, I was gonna say like how how uh, uh, if you plan for slow and then you're insanely busy when you shoot yourself in the foot like that, what's your go to? What do you Ugh. do? Scenarios well, where next thing you know you got five librette, five eighteen gauge, five sixteenths left, and you're you're getting slammed every day unexpectedly. Well couple different things you know if it was last year i would just probably break down and i would start calling every shop that i knew and be like hey uh can you spare a couple of you know uh a couple of posts for me now it's not so bad like i ended up in a pinch the other day where i was like shit you know i'm i'm totally out of threadless posts my neo metal order is not going to be here for another two or three weeks and but i i emailed anatometal and i was like hey do you have any threadless posts in stock and they're like well we have some sizes what do you need and then they 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 shipped an order that same day so right now i'd say the industry is fortunate enough with the hard work of these manufacturers where there are workarounds um but kind of like you said like i'm i'm not a high volume shop you know a, a busy day for me is 15 to 20 overall services and that's gonna be piercing and jewelry changes i'd say an average day is gonna be like five to ten so it's it's not something where i'm panicking like those shops where you're doing 50 in a day or something you know like those are the shops where i don't i don't know how they do it and one of the reasons that they can probably manage it is because they're they are carrying tons of back stock and they are you know they have three months of jewelry at any given point, and then they still have orders coming in every every couple of weeks or something. So that's not really a, a viable business model for me, and I don't I, I don't ever want to be that busy, and I don't think I'm capable of being that busy in my area. Uh, so it's it's kind of a different conversation for me. But I think those same shops they don't have a slow season in the way that you or I think about the slow season. I think a lot of those shops they're um, they're busier they're busier year round because maybe they have uh, college kids or maybe they have locals that want to get stuff year round or maybe they have like a strong arts community or, or whatever it is. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Deep, bruh. Um, maybe. <laughs> yeah. I am the kind of person that goes the route of asking um, another studio. <laughs> yeah. I, I've had to do that a couple of times. Is- I remember... When it got really bad, I had to ask Rob Hill several times for because you know he was like the 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 librette post baron for a while, um, so I, I definitely hit him up more than once. Yeah, I have my special go to also. Um, okay. The the nice thing about um, like like you were saying about manufacturers, there's there's actually um, there there's a couple that'll do that for you, and and that's just so amazing to see now. Because like he's like you said, man, like last year it that wouldn't have happened. No. <laughs> like, yeah. I, like even even the companies that you have a really good relationship with, like I would like to think that I have a, a pretty good relationship with Anatometal and Neo Metal and a few others. And uh, you know, in those 
really dark months where it was like impossible jewelry wait times, I, I could call them up and be like, I just need one Labrette post. And they'd be like, sorry, like you're going to have to wait three months for it, you know? Uh, yeah. So now like really it's, it's fantastic. And though that year or so period where people were pulling their hair out and freaking out about jewelry wait times, um, it's, it's all paying off now and it's going to be better. Uh, hopefully it will stay better for a while. Uh, but who, who knows, but I, I definitely appreciate all the hard work. Yeah, same. Definitely. I can't appreciate so, What about, uh, what about like the busiest months other than like, you know, the spring and summer predictable busy months. Do you have any like spike months, tax season or anything like that? Well, you know, what's crazy is we don't, um, we don't get much of a tax season and maybe the tattoo artists do. I don't know. I don't. I, I haven't really paid attention to that, um, but it's insane because the economy here in Gillette, Wyoming is fantastic. Yeah. And um, minimum wage here is great. All uh, There's just so many great things with the, the economy here and people don't go um, spending crazy during tax season. And I think a lot of that has to do with all year round. They're just kind of okay anyway. Yeah. Um, so it's not like getting their tax return back for them is like a huge deal. So no, we, we spike um, pretty hard right before, basically right before summer hits. I would say like May, May and June are probably our busiest months. Oh, I wouldn't have expected that. Surprisingly right during conference. Huh. So That's going to be great for you. Yeah, well, the guest artist that I usually have come out while we're gone, um, he, he likes it, so that's yeah. cool. But yeah, uh, th- those times, we talk about the slow times, we talk about the fast times too, um, they're just as hectic because – it's insanely unpredictable, not only when that's going to start, but how long that's going to last. And honestly, with with the talk of the jewelry companies and all of that, like I I am not worried about the summertime at all. Yeah. Um, I know if there's even if there's uh, our our jewelry stock is is declining. Um, I I know I can have most of that here within a week to two weeks. So there's there's no pressure. There's no 16. There's no 22 week wait anymore, um, depending on who you're going through. Uh, so there there's no pressure during the summertime anymore. Um, the the pressure that I get like during slow season is just managing everything and having the budgeting correct for um, keeping like everything in stock at the same time. Right. Um, like you, you really got to pay attention to to what you're putting your money towards. And I made a huge mistake this year. I What'd totally, I totally ran out of posts, but I had a shit ton of neo metal tops, uh. shit ton of gold prongs. Um, thankfully, we did. Um, this was actually just a couple weeks ago. Thankfully, right before Christmas hit us really hard. So, um, I was kind of able to, and not a lot of like nostril piercings or anything like that. We were getting a huge, huge influx of tongue piercings. Tongue piercings. Like, yes. 
yes, use the barbells. Wow. <laughs> use the barbells. Um, so that kind of floated us into into posts, and now we're uh, now we're totally full of posts. No worries. You know what was getting me for a while is, um, I, and I don't know if it's the same for you. I had an explosion, and I'm still having an explosion of earlobe customers, and um, I it never really hit me that like people have two earlobes, and most of the time they're gonna get both of them pierced in a visit, and it. It was like months where I was like, okay, we're doing more earlobes. I should probably get more of this size that I'm using for earlobes. But I, I was ordering like the kind of quantities that I would get if it was like a nostril or something where there's just one of them. And I was still blowing through my stock. You know, if I was if I was getting a Neometal order in every four to six weeks, um, I was running out of jewelry every two to three weeks kind of a thing, like really consistently. So... My last order, I, I like tripled the amount of posts that I get for the, these like certain sizes, and hopefully that'll kind of set me right. But earlobes were really throwing me off for a while because when I when I'm thinking like paired piercings, like ordering jewelry in pairs, I'm thinking more like nipple piercings, not earlobe piercings. And now like I really have to focus on earlobe piercings and having the quantity available for for the kind of jewelry that I'm using for that. The the nice thing about Earlobe piercings, and I and I hate saying it because someone's gonna, someone's probably gonna be like, oh, this is so wrong. Um, it's just a versatile area. Like, put a sixteen gauge in it. Put sure. an eight. You know, my my thing is like I would. So ideally, I'm using a sixteen gauge five sixteenths librette post with like the four millimeter backing. Like that's that's my go to for an earlobe. But then, mm-hmm. yeah, when I run out of that, then it's like, okay, now I'll do the 18-gauge with the large backing, and then I run out of those, and it's like, okay, I'll do the 18-gauge with the small backing, and then after that, it's like, well, okay, all right, threaded jewelry, you know? So uh, I, I run down, and I run down, and I run down, but yeah, it's it's really versatile, but the thing that sucks is, like, I've been doing so many earlobes that I'm running out of everything that can go in an earlobe. We had that same issue, um, I want to say almost, almost a year ago. Uh, where earlobes were just a huge, huge deal here, um, especially children's. Yeah. And, and it, the the crazy thing is, is that I haven't seen a lot of like children earlobe piercings. Usually, we schedule that for tandems, but um, I, I had we I just haven't seen a lot of them. But last year, it was, it was the same ordeal. It was racing between sixteen and eighteen, um, keeping enough jewelry in for earlobes because. It, it, it's not a nostril. It's it's two piercings. It's two posts. It's double, um, <clears throat> double using out of your stock, and it goes quick. Yeah, but you're getting twice as much money for each client, which is awesome. How do you? Okay, so do you, do you not give a discount on on earlobe piercings for two ears? Or is it because I I get <clears throat> I get mixed from every single person that I see talking either like in body modification learning forum or um, it, it, any other goofy piercer forum that we have somebody a, always asks about that and I'm always curious as to what everybody does so not to kind of like go too much behind the oh I mean, fuck it. let's go behind the curtain um, I forget. I think it might have been Jeff Saunders that I was talking to at one point about discounts for multiple piercings and this and that. And he was saying, like, you know, with 
with the level that we're operating at, um, we're not cutting corners because we're doing two. Like, if you think about the 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 supplies for one piercing versus supplies for two piercings, um, you're you're usually using kind of like twice the supplies. You know, maybe you're just putting out one sterile field drape dental bib or something, but you're probably using uh, two prep packs or, you know, cause it's one side and the other, if it was two piercings right next to each other, like a double nostril, maybe that's one thing you can just prep it all with like with one setup. But if you're doing earlobes, this and that, and like, I, I'm not, I'm not doing a cheaper service because I'm doing two. So I, I kind of feel like you certainly can give people discounts. Um, you don't want make pe you don't want to make people feel abused, but a lot of times, like I don't, I don't offer discounts unless the jewelry is particularly expensive. So if somebody comes in for earlobe piercings and I'm piercing with, let's say, Neometal, I'm going to do a $35 piercing fee per lobe. Uh, I'm going to do a $15 threadless backing per lobe, and I'm going to do the end piece per lobe, which is going to, for Neometal, it's going to be like, you know, 20, 25 bucks, depending on what it is. Um, so that's going to be my, my total cost. Let's say, 150 for a pair and then in a situation like that maybe i'll give people free aftercare but i feel like i'm doing a 150 dollars job especially when it comes to piercing younger minors because i'm going in before we open i go in like an hour early and i pierce kids like saturday mornings before we open so that they don't have to be distracted or intimidated by the rest of the shop and it's like that's an hour that I don't need to be there, but I'm I'm choosing to offer the service. So why should I offer that service at a discount? But uh, on the flip side, if somebody's gonna maybe get an upgraded end piece, you know, if they're gonna go with um, a gold prong versus a titanium prong, then you know maybe I'll do a, a slightly discounted fee. But my discounted piercing fee is thirty dollars instead of thirty five dollars. Um, it's that same thing of like you don't want to devalue your product or your service. Like I, I really, really try to never give any sort of jewelry discounts unless it's something where it's like, I fudge something, you know, the, the backing is a little bit too tight or this, <clears throat> this or that. Sometimes I'll just give them the free post if it's a mistake on my side, but sometimes I can give them little tweaks on, on, you know, downsize posts or whatever. But most of the time, my jewelry is going to be completely unaffected by discounts. And if I'm going to discount anything, uh, maybe I'll give them free aftercare. Maybe I'll do a slightly discounted piercing fee. Uh, but I'm offering a high-quality service. Uh, you know, I have the sterilization and the training and the environment and the staff and all that stuff. And all those things cost money. So I think that if you make yourself like the 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 discount shop, not that it's like... I don't want to make it sound like, you know, you give somebody $5 off and like you're the discount shop, but, um, I don't, I don't really see anything wrong with charging people full price if they're getting two piercings. If people are getting a bunch of stuff, maybe I'll give them a little bit more of a discount. If somebody's getting like four piercings, maybe I won't charge them four piercing fees, but if it's a pair of earlobes, uh, it's typically going to be two full price piercing fees, two full price backings, two full price end pieces, because I'm offering a service that I think is worth it. No, I totally agree with you. I totally agree with you. The only thing that I, <clears throat> the only thing different. Okay, so we we also offer like before opening piercings for children, um, yeah. just for that exact same reason, so they're not in a 
you know, spooky, scary tattoo shop. Um, even though most studios nowadays aren't anything like they used to be. No, yeah, um, they all look like, like salons or massage parlors or something. Right. Um, but our uh, our tattoo artists like to to play music that's that's not necessarily choice to children. Um, so we do offer that like prior to business hours. Um, but I do discount children's earlobes. Yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. I could, I could see it as like, you know, a service you want to, you want to give them some sort of reason to come to you instead of go to the mall. But I, I can see both sides of it. My side of it is I'm offering a specialty service when I pierce a kid. It's, it's probably more work than piercing an adult. Uh, it's, it's more time. It's more care and attention. It's, it's a whole experience. And, I, I I feel like I should charge more. I don't, but I you know, I, I I could see you charging more for that extra time and care and everything like that rather than than less. See, um, yeah, I I can see your point. Um, I've had a lot of good luck with um, consultations prior to, and we when when a child when a child comes in and they want their ears pierced, you know, it's it's kind of like a an appointment in itself right there um de- depending on how we're, we're never really busy but depending on how busy we are um <clears throat> like we'll take them in back we'll show them their parents all the equipment everything that we're going to use um and then we have them schedule a day after that day uh-huh. uh, kind of so the uh the the child can like take it all in um yeah kind of i mean that makes sense um they've seen it already they come back in they're ready to go um we've never had uh, you know there there's the one or two here and there that are, are gonna scream and cry and that's you know to be expected but most of the time i think um when they don't scream or cry, it's because they're a little more comfortable with the situation and they had prior knowledge to what was going to happen to them Sure. Sure. I, I do. Um, I do a, a one visit consultation thing. Like I have a, an info page on my website that walks parents through like, okay, these are the IDs I need. These are my policies. This is an average price this is the aftercare. These are some like, you know, the, the, the hits that you need to know before you come in. But I book all the appointments as a consultation only. And I basically say, um, I'm going to talk to you, the parent, I'm going to talk to the child, I'm going to go over the aftercare. I'm going to show them the work area. And if they still feel like it's it's the right day, I'm fine piercing them in the same day. But if they get nervous, if I feel even a little bit of apprehension, if I feel like the parent is kind of like nudging them along, then it's like, well, you know, let's, let's hold it off. You can come back next week. You can come back next month whenever you feel like you're ready. Um, yeah. Yeah, I, I feel that exact same way. Um, a lot of times um, it, it's... <clears throat> It's a lot more of the uh, the the older like eight, nine, ten that uh, we're, we're way more comfortable piercing that day. Yeah. Uh, it's well, what's the, the it's, youngest you? What's the youngest you pierce? Five. Okay. Yeah, I'm I'm six. So, you know, I I think that sometimes the six and seven year olds, it, little kids are brave. Even if they're in a situation that they might find a little scary, little kids are brave. I think it's it's almost. Um, the the parent is usually the factor when the kid is like squirmy or or crying or something like that i think it's because the parent is kind of 
adding tension to the scenario. Here, here's a question is when you said that you show them all the stuff, do you show them the needle? Yep. Yeah. How do they, how do they usually react to that? Uh, they just kind of stare at it. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, I think, I think for, so when you pull it out the next time when they're ready to come, they, they already know what it looks like They're You know, I think it's, it's way more mental um, for them to, to, to process what, you know, uh, what all of that looks like. So when you bring it out um, prior to it, they don't tense up. They don't necessarily get scared. I mean, some of them still do because I'm, I'm sure deep down inside they know exactly what's about to happen to them. But I totally agree with the parents. It's kind of like that. Um, <clears throat> I don't know if it was a meme or it was like a little comic strip or something where this little kid was playing and he gets hit by like a meteor and the dad's like, no, no, don't say anything. Don't acknowledge it. And the kid just like kind of crawls out from under the meteor and he's like laughing. Like, did you see me get hit? Where, you know, if a parent was to acknowledge the the, the child's like um, fear or kind of bring that out in the open, it almost, to me, makes it seem like the, the child feels like at that point it's okay for them to be scared. Sure. Sure. You know? I, I, I think it's like they, they're, they're doing it for the attention, you know, from the parent. Uh, so I, I try to, I think a lot of it is I'm trying to manage the parent because sometimes, uh, moms can be a little overwhelming. Dads can be a little overwhelming. And uh, I think that they can kind of bring out some of the negative elements of the experience for the child. I, I try to do more of like a sleight of hand where it's like, I, I'll show them something if they explicitly ask to see it. But if they don't explicitly ask to see it, then it's really just like, I want to keep you distracted. I want to move my hands a lot, and I want to maintain eye contact, and I want to ask a lot of personal questions. You know, do you have do you have pets? What's your favorite movie? You know, like, blah, 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 blah. Do you play video games? Um, to keep them thinking about something else. And, like, when the parents start to get, like, hovery, uh, a lot of times they'll try to be like, just, just lay there and relax. And it's like, it's cool. It's at their pace. Just let them go through it. And I have to kind of like cut off the parents sometimes and be like, you're being a little too overwhelming right now for me and probably for your kid. Yeah. And that's what makes them tense up as well. Yeah. Um, I think a lot of kids, when they come in, uh, they, <laughs> they uh, like, like back on the bravery thing, they are really brave. And if, I think a lot of that has to do with they they just want to like prove a point, you know. Yeah. Oh, I'm tough, you know. I can do this. I'm a big kid. Yeah, exactly. I'm a big kid. I'm a big kid. <laughs> I'm an enormous child. <laughs> I'm trying not to be. Whatever. I I mean, I'm trying. Uh, anyway. I look at my life. I look at my life now versus when I started, you know, when I was, I was 20 when I started my shop because of whatever circumstances. And I was totally a kid just trying to, trying to fumble through a business. And now I'm like an adult just trying to fumble through life. And, uh, I don't know. It's, it's fun. But I mean, when, when I have conversations like this with piercers where I start thinking like, Oh, I'm doing reports and POS systems and this and that. And it's why it's, it's, it's not fun, you know, but it's, it's still, I still get to be a piercer. I don't have to work for somebody else. Nerd. 
whatever, man. You're a total nerd. You you own a drone. Yeah, I know. Okay, fair enough. All right, all right. Well, I think that's probably enough conversation for people. Is there anything else? Any other burning topics on your mind? Not at the moment. Um, I do eventually want to get back with you on another subject later down the road, but I think we discussed that already a little bit. What, what the project thing? The project thing. The, the project pro- thing. The wink, wink, nudge, nudge project thing. <laughs> Whatever could it be? Whatever could it be? Who knows? Um, yeah. All right. Well, I'm sure we'll talk about that more and we'll roll the, the Kalinator into it too. Yes, absolutely. That would be a fun one. Alrighty. Oh, and also, I just want to put it out there. I really do appreciate you coming to that wrestling show with me a couple months back when you were covering Kill Shop. That was so much fun. Oh, I wish I could have went again when I was back out there. Yeah. Well, you know, if you ever come back out again, there, you know, they'll, they'll probably be running shows. I have not even had time to go through the photos that I took. I took, I did edit like two or three of them. I think of. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> One of them was that, what's that girl? The the space one. Chris Statlander? <clears throat> yeah. I got a really good one of her like throwing an elbow into um, the thumbtack dude's face. That's cool. Um, so she, uh, she just got signed to AEW. And tonight, just like right, the reason that I wanted to interview with you at 10 o'clock is because from 8 to 10 I was watching AEW Dynamite but so she was on and she was in a championship match and she was wearing the naval jewelry that I gave her as a gift at on uh, the New Year's Eve show because she always has this jewelry that's way too long and sticking out and I was always terrified that it was going to get ripped out in a match so like I was awkwardly staring at her stomach because like I'm usually right up on the ring and I kind of guesstimated what size she would need, and I just picked out a piece that I thought would look good on her, and I brought it, and I was such a creep because I just had to walk up to her randomly when she was, like, carrying her bag and, like, on her way out, and I was like, hi, um, I, I brought you this random naval jewelry because I noticed that your naval jewelry is a little bit too long, and I'm going to wear your skin as a jacket one day. But uh, <laughs> she was wearing it on TV tonight, so that's cool. That is, uh, that's actually really cool. I'll, I'll tell you, um... <clears throat> Something about her. So explain to me what is up with her her navel piercing. Oh, so she has she has a navel piercing and then she has a surface anchor off to the side of her navel. I think she used to have a pair and one got torn or rejected or whatever. Okay, because um, I also volunteer with the Ask a Professional Piercer forum on Facebook. Uh-huh. And... Somebody posted a picture of her and was like, what is going on here? Yeah. And I actually was able to go into my photos that I took from that night and I, I seen it. So I was able to like answer her exactly because that's what I thought it was too. It was just a navel piercing with a, with a surface anchor next to it. Um, <clears throat> But I, I just thought that that was a funny coincidence because I'm like scrolling through Facebook and then all of a sudden I see her picture on Ask a Professional Piercer. I'm like, what? I was almost going to tag you in it and be like, maybe Ryan will know. <laughs> We're like some new generation of stalkers. Uh, <laughs> oh, apparently. That's so Piercer of you, though, to bring her a piece of jewelry. Well, you know, I appreciate her wrestling, and I wanted her to not have her navel jewelry torn out when she's on TV. So if anybody watches AEW and you see Chris Statlander, she's wearing um, a white 
opal bezel set piece from Intrinsic. So there you go. Nice. I did the same thing for um, uh, a girl at the gas station, and and I also felt incredibly creepy. But yeah, that, no, that's 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 much creepier than me giving it to like a some sort of professional athlete. She used to give me free pizza, so right. I kind of felt in a way obligated. And every time I'd go in, I, I kept looking at her ears, and it was just this like <clears throat> like one inch hot topic black eyelets, and I'm like. Ugh. Right. So I ended up bringing her some like uh, Diablo stone plugs. I'm like, here you go. Yeah. Thanks for the pizza. What a nice guy. Yeah, I know. I know. It's helping the community out, but now she's a normal client. So, well, there you <clears> go. <throat> yeah, works out. Investment. It was an investment. Yeah. Maybe she'll right. get some piercings from you. I'm going to, yeah. Well, that would be amazing, but no. She like she looked at me like I was a serial killer. And like she just kind of like paused for a second and she was like, "Do you need me to give you money for this?" And it was just this really weird interaction because like I didn't when I go when I go to these shows like when you were there, you saw that like all the wrestlers just chat with the fans when they're selling t-shirts and it's very like communal and, you know, fun. Yeah, and absolutely. uh I don't have people skills, so I just I stood there until she wasn't talking to somebody else, and then I just walked up and, like, stuck it right out. And I was just like, I brought you this navel jewelry because I think it'll fit you, and here you go. And she was just like, uh, thank you? And it was just, it was like a super hyper awkward moment. But, you know, she's wearing it. Sounds so. like, yeah, I kind of feel that way right now. Yeah. Like I watched an episode of The Office. What you is that the whole story? You watched an episode of The Office? That's the whole story. I, I feel like I just watched an episode of The Office. That's like the oh. feeling you gave me. Oh. From your oh. Story. Oh. It's just okay. really cringy feeling. Creep. Nice. All right. <laughs> I'm gonna I'm gonna stop I'm gonna stop recording this podcast episode before people start switching to another podcast about serial killers or something. Yeah. We've so a good amount of time. Who are you? Where do you work? Where can people find you? I am John Balk, and I work at On Point Body Piercing in Gillette, Wyoming. And you can find me on the Instagram at On Point Piercing. Cool. All right, buddy. Well, thanks for talking to me after what was probably a long work day. And uh, I'll talk to you soon. Yeah. Thank you. We'll talk to you later. Okay. Bye. Bye. All right, thanks for talking to me, John. I appreciate it. Uh, this episode's already pretty long, so I'm not really going to do much of a, an outro thing. I'll just wrap it up by saying, if you want to sign up for any of those classes, you can follow uh, Body Art Education by Ryan Willett on Facebook for more info, or just go ahead and email me at ryanpba at gmail.com. But I'm going to be back next week with another interview for you. Thanks for listening. For more information about the show, visit piercingwizardpodcast.com or like Piercing Wizard Podcast on Facebook. For more info about your host, visit precisionbodyarts.com or search Ryan PBA on Facebook, Instagram, and Tumblr. If you enjoy the show, you can subscribe on iTunes, Apple Podcasts, and Google Play. Music by Benny B. Blanco. Show copyright 2017, Precision Body Arts, LLC. All rights reserved.